to Brussels Bubble Tea, a podcast that aims to explore all the questions related to the life in the EU bubble. Today, we have the pleasure to welcome four native English speakers who have either lived in Belgium or moved to Brussels to work in EU affairs. Today, we'd like to get their view on the use of the English language in the EU bubble, and they'll share with us some anecdotes uh, over the past few years or months they've been in, in Brussels. Let me introduce you to our guests. We have Helen. Hi, Annie. And then Carolyn. Thanks for having us. Ben. Hi, Annie. And Douglas. Good afternoon, Annie. We will start with a short introduction to learn a bit more about each of them. So they're, you know, the time they've been in, in the country or in Brussels and for which team they work for and then also um, which country they're from, actually, the most important. So let's start again with Helen. Thanks, Annie. So I'm from the UK, uh, but I actually live most of my life in Belgium. Spent only a few years in the UK and I came back to Brussels three years ago. I work in the energy team. Thank you. Carolyn? Hi. Um, so I'm from the United States, uh, Minnesota to be exact, and I moved about two years ago. So just fresh off. It's great. Ben? Hi again, Annie. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm from Malta originally. I moved to Brussels now six months ago and I work for the financial services team. And Douglas? Hi, Annie. I am from Glasgow in Scotland and I arrived at a very similar time in November last year. Uh, and also work in the financial services. So you team. both moved to Brussels very recently, actually. Uh, yeah, November yeah. last year, so yeah. fresh off the boat. Yeah. Great. Um, so let's start with the first question. It's just to see if you know a bit about the English language. How many people do you think speak English worldwide? Not natives, in, like everyone who speaks English. I would guess two or three billion. Any other guesses? I would have gone with about two billion, too. Same thoughts here. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for four on that one. What's well, it's 1.5. Okay. Yeah, she's not bad. Yeah. But yeah, so this is what just to, to give you an overview, like yeah. oh, so many people speak English. But the yeah. question that we're going to analyze today is more like if people speak about what type of English it is, right? Is it a good English? And especially here in the Euro bubble, we have this Euro jargon that, you know, is so specific. And I wanted to get your view. Um, and see what you think as a native speaker, but also, you know, when you when you move, when you recently move, you were thinking like, what are these words that people are using? And also sometimes in consulting, you have also specific words that people use. So also your comments about that. So my first question here would be, um, do you really think there is this EU bubble English or is just, you know, something people, you know, just mentioned, but it's nothing, it's not true actually for a native speaker. And also, if you can add to that, if it's a yes or a no, but if it's a yes, are there any fun anecdotes, misunderstandings that you've had here in the office or, or even, you know, interacting with people outside the office? So, yeah, the floor is yours. Tell me, you know, if, you, if there's something you want to share with us on this. I can kick us off. Um, I actually, from the United States and from my work in the U.S., I don't feel like I had a huge difference between the way we speak here in the Euro bubble and the EU bubble and how I spoke back home working in corporate America. That being said, I think my biggest understanding, uh, misunderstanding comes from my Americanism. So, okay. you know, sports references, the metric system versus oh, the yeah. system we use, things like mm. that consistently are a problem for it's me. Not, it's also cultural things. Also, you yeah. can't really relate to some of the things, right? Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Okay. But you, did, you haven't had like a moment in the office where, you know, there was a, like a huge misunderstanding, like, 
like a word that isn't actually what you you would mean in English, and it happened because you know it's non-native speaking, you know the language. I haven't had that issue come up yet, but I will say the British English versus American English is a consistent joke on our team. As you know, we write in British English, so there's no Z's or Z's, mm-hmm. as some people say. <laughs> so whenever there is a spare Z in the uh, in the article, it's definitely a who done it moment. Yeah, I feel like I also ask a lot of people to correct that in the office when when we write something. But yeah, something that you know we need to keep an eye on indeed in the office. Yeah. Uh, anyone else wants to share their uh, thoughts? Douglas, I feel like you want to share with us something. Yeah, well, although it's been it's not been noticed by any of my colleagues, I've come from Glasgow, which has a fair accent and dialect. Um, so it's interesting coming from although it's quite an international city, uh, with people coming from mm. all over. But I think people when they arrive quite naturally pick up the accent and um, even the colloquialisms because it's just part and parcel of learning the language. But do you think Scotland, because you moved well, here, your la- your accent has changed as well? Oh, yeah, substantially. Toned down? I mean, my, my <laughs> accent changed when I went to Aberdeen in Scotland, never mind oh, yeah, okay. moving. And then I've okay. since been to Vienna and Utrecht uh, to study. So I've definitely changed my accent since living in Glasgow. Um, but yeah, I think the difference between people learning and the environment of coming to somewhere like Scotland, which has its own accent... Um, where they pick it up and that's the sort of English they're learning compared to moving to somewhere like Brussels where you're not just learning English from native speakers mm. that have moved abroad but you're learning English from other people that are um, expats from their own countries with different languages it means it's much it's actually quite hum- homogenous in its own way but it doesn't necessarily reflect any locality in the same way it's a much more international flavour of English Okay I think there's differences in the way that non-native structure sentences for example and then you kind of get accustomed to structuring your sentences that way so that you're understood Mm -hmm. by non-natives because Mm -hmm. I think we've all Mm -hmm. had the experience of sort of coming here and speaking as we would in our home countries and not being understood and so subconsciously we actually adapt our own language which is quite humbling in a way (laughs) and uh and then, yeah, you go back to your, your home country a few months later and you find that you're speaking in a way that is perceived to be very strange. And your family there. and your, maybe your friends, you'll be like, you know what happens to your, to yeah, your, what's your English, right? You? Yeah, Why can't you speak yeah, your exactly. own language? Because mm-hmm. it's not even, anymore. sometimes not even the the speed, you know, or something. It's more like also, the, as you said, the grammar, the structure mm-hmm. of the sentence, right? That it would change because we have this... I don't know, more simple, maybe, way of structuring the sentences I here? would say the opposite. It's opposite. I would oh. say that non-natives actually have more complicated sentences really? and they add in more words. Influenced maybe by our own, you know, yes, languages. Probably. French, for instance, which is a bit more difficult, maybe, grammar-wise. Okay. And ben? Yeah. Oh, maybe, Douglas, you wanted to jump in? Well, no, just in it being maybe a little bit more complicated, I think then, you because you're thinking about, especially in a professional environment, structuring it properly, um, then I think it can be very thought out, but then maybe... What you don't have, what you have when you're a native speaker, is maybe a lack of playfulness then in how you use mm. the language yeah. in terms of the yeah, expressions true. you might use, but also the way you phrase things. Yeah. Or even jokes. Exactly. I noticed that's, that yeah. I, when I tell jokes in French, I'll be funnier than in English. I can't I can't tell jokes in English. <laughs> you're pretty funny in English. Yes. No, I'm yeah, not, Ben. Yeah. Thanks, okay. but fine. I'm not. <laughs> the expressions carry a lot. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was going to get at after what Helen said, is that mm. I think um, a lot of the things that when it comes to speak to non-native speakers, I'm out on its humor. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 Douglas and I get along very well in part because, you know. You understand each other's humor. <laughs> because we, yeah, and that's it, yeah. Like, sometimes I know I'm a funny person, but sometimes non-native speakers don't get me. And then I realize it's Probably because, with yeah. me. Did you have, ever yeah. had that moment where I, you thought it was funny, but I didn't laugh? 
Yeah, well, with you all the time, with you way too often. Well, I'm sure it's with more than just Ani. <laughs> sure, thank you. But also, um, going back to that, the non-native speakers part, um, fun fact about me, I used to teach English for a few years. So a part of me is kind of used to the way that... To adapt kind of to people, right? Number to, one, yeah. yeah, me adapting mm. my, my language depending on the level of English of the person I'm speaking to um, or where they're from, etc. But also uh, noticing the differences in the ways that different um, cultures and, and nationalities use the language. I have German friends of mine that use very long sentences because in German you can mm -hmm. do that a lot and exactly, it yeah. can get out of hand. But in English it's not, you know, we try to shorten sentences. Short, sentences. you yeah. know, straight short to, to the, the point. point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially in consulting where it, where it helps to be shortened to the point. But yeah. And do you have any like words, um, I think we discussed it before when we were preparing this, but that some words that you know you would have maybe not used in your daily life when you were in your home country, but actually is some, I mean, it's a word that you, you would use like every day, maybe few times per day because it's like just part of the EU bubble language. <laughs> sure. I mean, I think consulting in particular has its own vocabulary of things which are sort of buzzwords. Um, and I suppose it makes it a little bit more efficient to work in where you're constantly flagging things or deciding to go bilateral, which effectively <laughs> means pick up the phone and have a conversation with someone. Um, but yeah, there's things all the day, all day long, which um, you're using words which you would never use in a normal context. But I think that's probably true. I wouldn't go home and use a lot of the words I use here either. Because, yeah, it is difficult because I can give maybe my... Because I, I, obviously my native language is not English, but then when I use English to, to, as, a, as the language here to work, right? Um, when, I, when I need to write something in French, I struggle because I don't have those, like, flag yeah. or whatever, you know, that make the sentence so, like, I don't know, it flows. Yeah. But in French, you can't do that. You, mm -hmm. you don't have those words. And then kind of we sometimes get those... We use those English words... And in, 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 in French, but it, yeah. it's no longer French. Yeah. But yeah, this is a bit I mean, my point yeah. of view on this. Yeah. Do you also like add in English words to your sentences? Like you write a sentence. In oh yeah, French I would do. When you don't and I would put some quotation. Yeah. I was like, sorry, but I couldn't find you know decent equivalent to this. You know, and yeah, what happens? Yeah. Yeah, I always thought it was kind of funny because when I first went when I went home the first time after living here in Brussels, my family was floored at the difference in how I spoke, oh, yeah. and I did not recognize any difference in how I was phrasing my sentences or what words I was using. And I will say my friends and I don't say things like, oh, I'll just circle back to you or <laughs> let me connect offline with you on that. But a lot of my friends and I have worked in corporate America once we graduated from university. Getting a master's degree isn't super popular for most people in the United States. And so people enter corporate life really quick mm -hmm. like 19 mm -hmm. 20 years old and they're working on these projects and talking this way and so for me moving here and working in consulting i actually felt like i was jumping back into my mm. my language roots mm -hmm. and jargon which was always fun but it's it's so secondhand at that point second nature at that point that it just comes it flows out yeah. right away okay that's a good that's an interesting point of view here Anyone else wants to share something on, on this question? I mean, my Broad friends and I, we use that kind of language jokingly <laughs> in, in, our, in our chats. Because well, I'm the only one who's in consulting, but everyone, mm -hmm. you know, is working in, in, in... We have lawyers, we have architects, and everyone uses email. So we do joke around with that kind of, ah, in fact, I'll circle back to you on that. Um, there's a point, though, where, you know, the, the, it starts being ironic and then, like, you know, you go full hipster and it's no longer ironic and I don't know what's going on, but yeah, so 
Yeah, I mean, we have a, we're organizing a little shindig for a friend of ours who's getting married in June. And the name of the WhatsApp group is Organizing Committee, and it's full of this kind of jargon. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your um, your experience here on the on the on the everyday life at FTI. and outside FTI. Do you have any like? Did you feel like like a lot of people speak English, or is it just like you know the EU bubble basically and FTI people? Have you ever tried to communicate with people outside the EU bubble? God no, outside <laughs> the EU bubble. <laughs> Does such a thing exist? What is this? No, but um, when you go, for instance, for admin, yeah, no, right? I, I was, I was How, joking, of course. Is there like um, a, some sort of barrier there, or you feel like people understand you? No, for the the, the first time I went, to, I was living in Etebek for the first couple of months, and I went to um, the commune, and I was lucky enough that you know they were okay with me speaking English. And now I'm in the Brussels commune, and I have my appointment in a couple of months, and I I don't think I'm going to be as lucky. Um, but outside of that, like, I'm one of those many people in Brussels who don't speak French, um, and so far gets by, and we, we, you know, like some sign language here and there, some mumbling in French <laughs> and English, and we get there, so. That's really interesting, actually, because I would have said 10, 10, 15 years ago, it would have been impossible mm. to get by in Brussels without French, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and having lived here as a child and grown up, I've actually really seen that difference. There's an evolution, definitely. Like, mm -hmm. really seen it within the space of two or three years. You go from, yeah, going into a, a shop or a restaurant or, and always having to speak in French, not even considering that you would speak in English, mm -hmm. to people hearing you speak to your friend or family member in English and then start automatically speaking to you at the, the desk in English. And that's been a bit of an adjustment. And I'm not sure if that's to do with sort of political things like more Eastern European countries joining the EU where they had a tendency to learn English rather than French compared with the Southern European countries. And so Brussels has kind of been more infiltrated with English. Maybe, yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay. I moved in, when I moved here, I moved into Excel and I had quite the shell shock of, of French because in the US, in the Midwest specifically, we just don't have French speakers. Um, for example, it wasn't even offered as a language for me up until university. So hearing as much French as I did right off the bat, I think I can relate to Ben. I had zero luck at the commune. I brought friends to the commune. Um, but since then, I've actually moved to the Flemish-speaking area. But that's about to say, isn't it easier maybe with Flemish when you're an English has. speaker? It has. I will say something about the vibe I give off just says American. So people typically don't start with French with me anymore. But... Every so often, you know, I look like a deer in headlights just trying my best, but <laughs> up in the Flemish-speaking district, it's primarily English for sure. So it really depends on where you live mm. and I guess the vibe you give off. But also generally, I think in Belgium, more um, people in Flanders would speak English fluently yes. compared to people in the in the, in, the, in Wallonie. And Brussels, I mean, it's different. If you count, obviously, the Euro bubble is different. There are more people, obviously, who speak English. But I think in general, in Flanders, you would have more luck with mm -hmm. English, definitely. Do you guys have anything else to add with the with the move to Brussels? Yeah, just, I suppose, aside from the linguistic niceties and discrepancies which we've covered, um, coming from Scotland, where foreign languages aren't particularly well taught, um, and although we enjoy our own version of English. Um, <laughs> Do you have actually a language that you learn as a second language, I as compulsory or... Well, no, like we learned French, but like for a couple of years. Yeah, okay. And I learned Italian up to leaving, but there's not the culture you think you get in other countries of learning all the way through and then sort of compounding mm -hmm. that with maybe going abroad or studying abroad or whatever, okay. even from high school. 
Um, so always blows me away the level of Brussels as an international city, the way that people yeah. from all sort of backgrounds can work. And that's not just in an international consulting setting, but places like you go to a commune, you go to the supermarket, you talk to people in the cafe, and they'll have ridiculously good English, and they'll also mm-hmm. probably have a very high standard of the other language in Belgium that they don't speak. But here, for yeah. instance, uh, I went to, to high school here, and mm-hmm. French-speaking high school, and you learn English, you start learning English when you're 15, 14, 15, yeah. but then again, you're always exposed to English here because you listen to music, and now, I guess, with Netflix and those, in my days, there were no, net, no yeah. Netflix, but yeah, uh, you're still exposed to, to the English language in a different way, and then you have other languages that you learn as well. You have, yeah. if, if it's a French-speaking school, you have Dutch, and then, for instance, I had also other languages on top of it. So it's, it, the culture is to learn multiple languages. I guess it's different yeah. from one country to another. But, and then you get to use them as well, yeah. which I think is great, because like, you can see everyone using them and really being able to adapt to whatever setting they're in, which is an incredible place to come into when it's just part of the culture. Well, that's great. I hope mm. you guys will stay then, if you like it so much. Well, maybe and you'll I'll teach us English. To learn one of the <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you um, a last question. So you hear... A lot of different English accents here. Mm-hmm. Not, in, I mean, I would say non-native speaking English. Let's mm-hmm. say not English accents. Um, which one is your favorite? So, which EU country, or maybe if you want to go outside the EU, but let's focus to the, on the EU countries. Like, which one is your favorite? I would have to stay loyal and say Belgian. You like the Belgians? I okay, do. okay. I just prefer the Nordics. I think it has such a nice, pleasant tone to it. I maybe maybe unique there. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. Like, they're quite lyrical. But mm-hmm. since we're sticking in the... I would have said Scottish, and not just because Doug is sitting there, but I would have said <laughs> Scottish because of, because of the, 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 the lyrical nature of it. Not in the EU. I know, I know. <laughs> no, no, I know. That's, yeah. that's, why, yeah. that's why I went Irish, with Nordics. Irish. That's why I went with Nordics. <laughs> yeah, how, about, really how about you, Douglas? Which one is your favourite? Well, my mum's Irish, so I should probably say that, but we'll say foreign uh, languages apart. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, Irish is a language, but anyway. Um, I have to say, I do... I do have a soft spot for the Italians, of which we've got loads and loads in uh, okay. Brussels. And it's uh, and not just the accent, but also then, I suppose, the things come, they slip very easily in and out of Italian. And um, they manage to keep their personality, their Italian character, when they're, whether they're speaking English or Italian. So I enjoy Okay, that. fair point. Okay. Well, I, we're coming to, to, to the end of this podcast. And I'd like each of you yes. to say a sentence. I'm going to just say it now, basically. And then you say it in your... The strongest accent you can do from your country. Um, let's finish maybe with Douglas. I just want to finish uh, well, with yours. Who it is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with Helen. And the sentence is, thank you for listening to this podcast. Oh God, here goes. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. Carolyn. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Ben. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And Douglas. To have very much for listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you, guys. <laughs>